0: Welcome to the CORE here on American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today on the show. You know, today, for those who care, most don't. Bobby's going to care about this. Uh, For those who care, today was my, the latest I've been coming in the studio. The latest I've ever been coming in the studio. I came in at 104 Central with the show starting at 105 central, came in with 60 seconds to, uh, to spare. And Bobby, it's because I just got busy talking.
3: Nothing wasted, man.
0: I got halfway over here and got busy talking and looked down at my watch and it's 103.
3: I'm sure it was productive.
0: Yeah, it's always productive. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm here and uh, Richard's grabbing my coffee. I'm used to grabbing my coffee on the way in the studio, but... You know for those of you saying, you know Walker, I really just don't care about you being late. thank you for my coffee Richard. Uh, I just want a good soul. He is a good soul Richard Stewart there for us um for those just saying Walker, just bring us the news of the day. bring us our scripture and news of the day. Yes, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. I'll stop uh, talking about my reasoning for being late uh jumping into Psalm chapter 22. Let's uh let's read a couple verses here out of Psalm chapter twenty two. This is a pretty lengthy chapter, uh, in the grand schemes of in the grand scheme of scripture. No, it's not lengthy. It's only thirty one verses. Uh, but for our Psalms study, yeah, it's pretty lengthy. Um, so let's take a few verses out of Psalm chapter twenty two. Um, today, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? Easter, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm. Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? O oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you deliver them. Talking about God's people, the chosen people. To you they cried and were rescued, and you they trusted and were not put to shame. And I could continue on there. But what I want to draw our attention to today is that the psalmist, and you know, we've we've covered some pretty encouraging, uplifting psalms from our study in Psalms. Some days where you just you're like, man, the David must have been on a mountain. He's talking about visiting God's holy hill. And then, you know, this week we're in Psalm chapter 22, and David starts the chapter off. He doesn't even start the chapter off thanking God for who he is. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So David was clearly in a place where he felt as though he believed, he genuinely believed that God had forsaken him. But what I love about David here, amongst many things, is that it's, it, he's only three verses in, and David says, yet you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted, and you deliver them. So David quickly turns back to reality. He, he He's emotionally from a human standpoint, very down and out, he feels like God has, has, uh, has left him alone. But David knows better. His spirit knows better, and he quickly turns and, and reminds himself more so than even reminding anyone else about God's faithfulness and how previous generations God always was with them. He never forsook them. And, and was always there to rescue them, and that that's uh, verse 3, 4, and 5, and, and continuing on there. So as soon as you think you're down and out, as soon as you think the Lord has uh, left you alone, let's remember what he's done uh, to generations past. He's always been there for the body of Christ. He's always been there for his people, and he always will be there for God's chosen people. Moving into our uh, show for today, by the way, if you want to listen to the show, you can do so live. You can do so live by visiting our website, AFR.net, AFR.net. We also have the American Family Radio app. It's out there for you to download. And it's a very convenient, easy, and free way to listen to the network and listen to the core. Just download the American Family Radio app. And uh, you can listen wherever you are, so long as you have an internet connection. And the last thing I'll mention is that uh, we want you to subscribe to the podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, whether you're on an Apple device, an Android device, wherever you listen to podcasts, go to your podcast store, type in The Core, or type in Walker Wildman, The Core, or American Family Radio, The Core, and you can subscribe to the podcast, and that'll sync it up into your podcast library each week, each day. And you can catch the latest episode, go back and listen to past episodes. You can do all that right there from your smart device. So subscribe to The Core wherever you listen to podcasts. That's uh, the request I have for our audience today, and I hope you will oblige me. Moving into stories for the day, you know, uh, this—we still don't know who leaked the Supreme Court draft opinion— Maybe people within the Supreme Court know, but we don't know. The public doesn't know yet who leaked the Supreme Court draft opinion on the Mississippi case, which it directly affects the standing of Roe v. Wade, which is a 1973 ruling that just opened the doors wide to the slaughter of innocent children in the womb. So we still don't know who leaked the draft, but I'll tell you one thing. This is clearly being used to intimidate people who believe that human life begins at conception and that human life should be protected at all stages. That's what this is being used for, all right? And the people uh, capitalizing, if you will, on this this leak are those who oppose life, are those who oppose life. So, you know, there. I'll play a clip later, but there's the theories of who leaked it, who leaked the draft and you know who knows number 1 nobody knows who leaked the draft yet at least not in the public like like i mentioned but it's interesting how you know when the left is just in a pickle and they just don't know what to do they start blaming <laughs> they start blaming you and me for their problems and this is nothing new here i want to play i want to go ahead and jump to this this is an npr reporter her name is nina Hutenberg. She was on ABC's This Week Sunday. That's a show on ABC that nobody watches. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but probably low ratings. But nonetheless, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it some airtime. I'm gonna give the show some airtime. And um, she 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 throws out this theory that really doesn't line up with reality as it, as it relates to motives and intentions and why on earth someone would leak the draft opinion. She claims it's a conservative within the court that leaked a draft opinion, despite the fact that the left is capitalizing on the leak. Clip 2, let's listen
4: legal affairs correspondent, Nina Totenberg, and Nina, you've been covering the court since the early
5: days of Roe. How much has this leak rattled the institution and, and the way it's viewed? Well, the way it's viewed, it's, it's an earthquake. And I think within the court itself, it's an earthquake. There has never been a leak like this. There have been minor little springs that have emerged from the court, uh, 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 reports of a, a tentative vote or misbehavior by one justice back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, there were leaks, those kinds of leaks. But never an entire draft of a majority opinion, that has never ever occurred before, and it can only in all likelihood have come from a justice that I think is less likely, uh, perhaps one of the clerks and the leading, the leading theory is a conservative clerk who was afraid that one of the conservatives might be persuaded by Chief Justice Roberts into, to join a much more um, moderate opinion. Um, and then there's another theory that it was an outraged liberal clerk. But I think the only one that makes <laughs> sense is that it came from somebody who was afraid that this majority might not hold, that Chief Justice Roberts might persuade one of the conservatives to come over to him in a much more moderate opinion.
0: Well, this is what happens when your side is uh, has done something and it's not working. You just start blaming the other side. Who in their right mind believes this was a conservative justice or a conservative law clerk? Thank you, Bobby. Nobody believes (laughs) that this was a conservative. Are you kidding me? Number one, let me just say this clear. We don't do this type stuff. Why do we not do this type stuff? And I know that's a poor sentence, poor word usage. We don't do this type stuff because it's wrong, Christians don't leak internal documents from the Supreme Court against all protocol and law. Why? Because it's wrong. But you know who does do this type stuff? The God-haters. Why? Because they are worshiping at the altar of baby sacrifice. And if you can kill babies and justify it, why can't you leak a piece of paper? From the Supreme Court, I mean, what is Supreme Court rules and standards anyway? They want to abolish the court. When I say they, I'm talking about the left. And so it's that side that doesn't have any respect for law and order. They don't have any respect for the protocol and standards of the Supreme Court. It's all pure politics and pure ideology. And so to try to somehow turn this into, well, it was a conservative law clerk that leaked this, no, 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 no. Now, I may be wrong, because I don't definitively know either, because it hasn't been made public who leaked it. But we can't try to turn these these details into a conservative leaked it, because you're, you're creating a narrative there that just doesn't have facts behind it. And that's why I'm not out here going, yeah, it was a liberal that leaked it. It may have been. I mean, politically, that would make sense. Hey, let's leak this document. Let's try to intimidate the justices. Let's try to get a couple to flip their votes. That makes sense from a political standpoint. It doesn't make sense at all from a conservative standpoint. Why would you leak an internal draft opinion and make the court look bad and pro- and you're going to get fired, lose your, 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 uh, your uh, law, law license, and then it's all going to be a black eye on the conservative justices? That doesn't make any sense from a political standpoint. But if you're a martyr and you're in favor of killing babies and you see this draft opinion and you're infuriated, yeah, let's leak it. Let's go ahead and tip off the public, create a political firestorm to fuel the Democrats into the 2020 midterms. By the way, the the, the pagans here, they want to abolish everything, and that's not an exaggeration. Listen to this. Uh, this is in Los Angeles at a far what, what what Breitbart here calls a pro-abortion protest in Los Angeles. Far-left protesters called for the Supreme Court to be abolished. Let's just abolish the whole institution. So- and then I-
3: sounds constitutional.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's abolish one of the three branches of government. <laughs> oh boy! And th- th- this is why they can't say they support the Constitution. Because if you want to abolish an entire branch of government set up by our founders actually in the founding documents, how can you expect these people to respect anything about our country? You see, if you don't respect the founding documents, if you don't respect one of the three branches of government, then how can you expect these people to respect a Supreme Court internal rule not to leak graph opinions? So they want to abolish the court. That's the solution to a ruling we don't like. Let's just throw the whole thing in the trash and we'll start from scratch. Well, we just won't start anything because we can't agree on anything. We don't believe in God. We have no rules, no law and order. So it's gonna be a free for all folks. And I have more on this after the break. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Be back in a few.
2: But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the prodigal son parable is discussed, the focus is usually placed on the young son who squandered his inheritance yet returned home when he came to himself. But if you look closely at the biblical text, you'll see it actually reveals the inexhaustible love of the father. Jesus' storytelling reveals that this was no usual earthly father. When the young son squandered all, brought shame upon himself and his family, the father sees him from a distance, runs to him, and restores him. That is our Heavenly Father. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more, from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patti Garibay of American Heritage Girls.
3: It's common for young believers to express doubt in times of difficult circumstance. In fact, a recent Barna study cites God allowing bad things to happen as the number one reason teens today are turning away from Christianity. Might your daughter have a similarly superficial faith in need of strengthening? A rooted believer is one who praises God in the hills and the valleys of life. If your girl abandons her trust in God during times of difficulty, point her to scripture like Daniel 3, where she can learn from the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Encourage your girl to redirect her instinct from why God to what are you trying to teach me, God? This simple mindset shift takes her away from the disappointment in her circumstance and stretches her to be guided by His will.
4: Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
2: If you are 65 or older, you know this, it's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65 Plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family
0: Radio. Welcome back to the show. Well, before I get into the what the law says, yes, what the law says about picketing, protesting, and intimidating a judge in the United States of America, I want to just provide these these uh, comparisons, these uh, contrasting. Views and approaches to the issues of our day. I just jotted these down in my office doing show prep. Listen to this. <laughs> As it relates to courts and and rulings from judges around the country that one side or the other disapproves of, listen to this. Here's what the Christians say. We need better judges. This is That's what Christians say. We get a bad ruling at the Supreme Court, which has happened over and over again, we say we need, we need better judges. How do we do that? We elect a president who agrees with us on judicial philosophy, and then we get the president to appoint judges that agree with our philosophy and what we believe is right. All right. So that's the Christian approach, a very civil approach, by the way. We need better judges. How do we get better judges? We don't pack the court. No, we elect people who are going to put good judges in uh, on the bench. All right, so that's the Christian approach. Listen to the pagans. They get a ruling that they don't like. Abolish the court. Three words. Let's just abolish the court. Let's just throw it in the trash. Let's abolish the court. Get rid of it. By the way, these are very militaristic. This is very militaristic, if that's a word. Bobby, military guy, Air Force guy. Um, this, is, this is very militaristic language. Abolish the court. Not impeach one judge that we don't like. Let's see. Let's abolish an entire branch of the United States government. If I came on the radio and said, let's abolish the Supreme Court, The FBI would be investigating me for promoting an insurrection. Then they would do all the wiretapping and then, you know, dig up dirt on me somewhere else from 20 years ago. And then here comes a high school yearbook and then J6 insurrectionist. And you can't run for public office like they're trying to do to Marjorie Taylor Greene. By the way, she was fully acquitted this past weekend. But the left gets away with it. Yeah, abolish the court. That's their approach. So you move on to law enforcement. By the way, these are, these are pivotal institutions that, of course, they can be used for good or evil, but God set them up to be used for good. Government, right? Well, when the police do something that one side doesn't like, here's what we say. Here's what the Christian says. We need to ensure this doesn't happen again i.e. accountability the fbi for example we don't say let's abolish the fbi i know we say although some might could say that and probably make a good case for it but <laughs> but to focus on the content for the show when the when law enforcement does something that christians don't like we say we need to ensure that this doesn't happen again we need more accountability That's what we say. That's our approach. It's a very civil approach. Hey, let's make sure this doesn't happen again. Let's use the laws of the land. Let's use the law of the land. Let's use civil discourse. Let's use proper means to bring about change to ensure that an injustice doesn't happen again. Here's what the left says. Here's what the God-haters say. When law enforcement does something that they don't like, defund the police. Let's defund the thin blue line that keeps this country from, from going over the cliff of utter social unrest and chaos. Their solution to law enforcement doing something that they don't like, even though half the time law enforcement is just doing their job, they say defund the police, basically abolish the police. Some of them say that as well. Well, when you get over here to elections, these are just three categories that I jotted down. So when, when the left cheats like they did in 2020, and Dinesh D'Souza, through his documentary, has proven that through and through. All these traffickers, all these ballot traffickers they hired to drop hundreds and hundreds of ballots, many of them illegal, into these drop boxes. When the election doesn't go how we think it should, and there were clear rules and laws broken in the election, like in 2020, what do we say? We need election reform. We need to strengthen election law. We need to enforce the laws on the books. We do not need cheating to happen again. What do they say? The left says, I'm moving to Canada. When an election doesn't go how they like, they say, I'm just moving to Canada. Even though none of them moved to Canada when Trump was elected. (laughs) But they don't just say that because that's one of the more peaceful means of protesting. Let's just move to another country. If you want to do that, that's fine. Wholly appropriate, by the way. But here's here's the thing that they say also when elections don't go their way i.e. the 2020 I'm I'm sorry, the 2016 election. When the left loses elections, especially national elections, like they did with Clinton, here's what they say. Let's abolish the electoral college. They want to abolish the entire electoral college system because they lost one election. And then they use the Electoral College to put Biden in place, by the way. Isn't that funny? As long as the system's working for them, we're good with it. When the system doesn't work for them, let's just throw it in the trash. Do we really want these people running the country? Seriously. Do we really want schizophrenic people who throw entire institutions in the dumpster when they don't get the desired political, ideological outcome they like, do we really want those same people running the institutions? I would propose not. But back to the law. By the way, it is illegal to protest in front of a justice's home, a uh, Supreme Court justice or any other judge for that matter. Let's read 18 U.S. Code 1507, picketing or parading is the uh, subject matter as it relates to judges in the U.S. Whoever with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer, in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building... Housing a court of the United States or in or near a building of residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence shall be fined under this title, are imprisoned not more than one year, or both. Where's the FBI, by the way? Where's the FBI? So we don't just have, you know, people walking down the street with their cardboard sign. We've got people threatening judges. We have the media threatening judges. We have Senator Chuck Schumer back uh, last year standing on the steps of the Supreme Court of the United States telling Kavanaugh and Gorsuch that they don't know what's going to hit them. And now we have the left angrily marching in front of Kavanaugh's home. And where's the FBI? Oh, I'm sorry. They're too busy investigating parents that don't like their school board and what they're doing. They're too busy ensuring that people who trespassed on the Capitol grounds back some long time ago, uh, they're making sure that they have to stay in jail indefinitely. No hearings. Nope. No trial. You're just gonna stay here. One of them's already passed away, by the way. He committed suicide in uh, the DC jail. Can you imagine if a left winger got locked up and didn't have any hearings, no trial for two years? You would have you would have right wingers signing letters to get him out, or at least have a trial date. Because we care about the rule of law. But you got people who simply walked on Capitol grounds on January 6th, 2021. They're still in jail. And the ACLU is nowhere to be found.
3: And that's right from the FBI director's mouth. Absolutely. Christopher Ray. He yep. said that there's nobody that's being held for anything
0: higher than criminal trespass. Good point, period. Bobby. Good point. And we got this U.S. code, this law against picketing or parading in front of a Supreme Court justice's home. Where's the FBI? MIA. Nowhere to be found. They don't know where the Hunter Biden laptop is, and they're not enforcing our current laws. Instead, they're probably investigating Donald Trump still. They're probably investigating Donald Trump, probably going after some of Biden's political enemies, and uh, probably overlooking all of the mass corruption Uh, that we have going on in our country. They're not going after the drug cartels in Mexico. No, we're not going to do that. They're not going after China and all their espionage. Nope, we're going after parents that don't like what their school boards are doing, and we're going after people who dare to walk on the grass of the Capitol grounds uh, on January sixth, twenty 2021. Moving to... uh, uh, I want to play a clip here. This is following the same lines that we've been talking about, but... This is a uh, reporter for the Daily Signal. His name's Douglas Blair, and he's describing what he saw when reporting on the protest going on at Justice Kavanaugh's home. Uh, clip four. Let's listen.
4: Did you see a difference when you went to Kavanaugh's house and then went to John Roberts' house?
2: That was the scariest thing to me, that the energy, you could just feel it, was palpably different when Kavanaugh came up. They were yelling, they were screaming. And look, I mean, this is an attempt at intimidation. And I think it really says a lot, too, that the Biden administration is willing to absolutely let these justices out to dry. They're not going to say it's not acceptable for you to go to somebody's house and yell and scream. That's not how we do it in this country.
4: Did you say that you saw Kavanaugh? He came out of his house?
2: I did not see Justice Kavanaugh. My hope is that he wasn't home. My hope is that he was safe with his family somewhere else, because mm-hmm. it was genuinely one of the scariest things I've ever witnessed, watching these people yell and scream and try and change the vote of what is most possibly the most important vote in the history of this country, the right to live your life and to have a human being survive in the womb.
0: Hmm. That's a Daily Signal reporter. He says... Uh... A protest outside of Kavanaugh's house is, quote, one of the scariest things I've ever witnessed. Good news is Supreme Court Cla- uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, what did he say? The Supreme Court can't be bullied. They will not be bullied. Here's a quote from him. Quote, we can't be an institution that can be bullied into, give, into giving you the outcomes you want. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas told a gathering on Thursday. The events from earlier this week are a symptom of that. Um, So Justice Clarence Thomas said that we cannot be bullied as a court. We cannot be bullied into giving certain groups the outcome they would like, not based on the letter of the law, but based on who can apply the most pressure and who can threaten judges uh, to make them bow to their demands. Well, uh, one more clip on this topic, and then we're going to move on. This is um, Senator um, Elizabeth Warren. Let's listen to her clip three.
4: You know, I, I think you're right to raise this question about credibility. In fact, I think the words that Roberts used uh, were integrity. But for me, yep, yeah, sure. do the investigation on the leak, but what's the integrity? of the nominees to be on the Supreme Court who stood up and swore until the world looked level that Roe versus Wade was settled law, which is kind of our code words for I'm not touching that, and said over and over, settled law, settled law, settled law, and the first opportunity they get, bam, drop the hammer. And don't read that opinion. Don't just say, oh, reasonable people could differ and over time we've learned more. No, what it says is, ha Roe was wrong to begin with, and we're going to blow this thing to smithereens, and the fallout is going to be on all of the women who can least deal with the pregnancies that this court wants to force them to carry.
0: Well, number one, the, the, uh, the left sure are acting like this is a final court opinion. The, remember, let's remember, the court hasn't even released a final opinion yet. Now is it going to be the same as the Alito opinion? Probably similar, maybe. I don't know. But the Supreme Court hasn't issued a final opinion. But all these senators and everybody's speaking as if this this is done. It's done for. It's the the court has spoken, so on and so forth. But what I wanted to point out there is how the senator described this described the overturning of Roe, which, by the way, will will simply send this matter back to the states to decide she described it as forcing women to carry pregnancies. Forcing women to carry babies in their womb. But just like every other itch- issue, the person who is primarily responsible gets off the hook, and instead, let's just kill the baby. So so because... This this is this is the way they think that 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 a that a woman should be able to engage in sexual intercourse with a man, get pregnant, and then because they became pregnant because of the vast majority of the time this is a choice they made, a consensual relationship. You should just be able to kill the baby. This is how they think. Let's remember we're talking about a human life here. We're talking about a baby. Babies should not be killed just because the mom doesn't want to have a pregnancy and doesn't want to carry a baby. Babies' lives should be protected. And if women don't want to have a baby, then they shouldn't engage in sexual intercourse. AFA at the core. We'll be back in a few minutes.
2: Hello, I'm Sam Rohr.
1: The American Family Association presents the Marriage Family Life Conference 2022, along with a youth apologetics track.
4: The Marriage Family Life Conference does not exclude children on purpose. It's, it's built, built in. And
2: we want families to come. And the thing is, if you look at what people who hate God are doing, they are going After. through great lengths to indoctrinate our children.
0: Yes. And so right. this
2: is a, a chance to be on offense. They're going to be equipped. You know, at the same time you're being equipped, we care about what's happening with our children.
1: Please join us for this year's conference, July 7th of the 9th at the Course South Arena in Tupelo, Mississippi. Register now at marriagefamilylife.net. Better hurry, though. Registration ends on May 15th.
2: We're just looking for ways to help equip families for what's going on. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, one thing that's clear out of all of these topics that we discuss on the show is much of it uh, gets down to the breakdown of God's design for marriage and family. That's what it gets down to. And uh, thankfully, though, we have uh, Christian ministries, Christian uh, pregnancy centers, and Christian adoption agencies around this country uh, that are focused on helping uh, babies and helping women in need. And this is, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, you know, this area of ministry is going to become all the more critical, all the more important. And for, for anyone to, and I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the, the, the left do this, they insinuate and they make statements that, you know, the Christians don't care about babies and the Christians don't care about women in need. And that's just the farthest thing from the truth. It's, it's the Christians that are the ones doing the vast majority of adopting in our nation, it's the Christians doing all the crisis pregnancy centers. It's American Family Radio that's buying these ultrasound machines so that mothers can see their babies. It's churches that are donating to adoption agencies to help offset the cost of families adopting. And so the church is already at work. Can we do more? Absolutely. We can always do more. Uh, But it's the body of Christ that is promoting life and that is reaching out our hand to help people and the need. So we're going to continue that and continue to focus on saving one baby at a time. Hey, moving to a different uh, subject, I want to introduce our guest uh, that we have on this segment. We have on with us Todd Hampson, and we have on Jeff Kinley, both authors, speakers, and podcasters, if you can use the plural there. Uh, Todd and Jeff, thank you guys for coming on the show.
1: Good to be with you, Everett.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's a pleasure. Yeah. Glad to have you guys on. So, you guys uh, do a podcast called Prophecy Pros, and I find this very intriguing. Why? Because I'm going through Isaiah right now in my Sunday school class. (laughs) Uh, So, we're covering prophecy, and boy, is Isaiah rich, uh, full of prophecy. (laughs) But, uh, Todd, starting with you, tell our audience what caused you guys to start this prophecy podcast.
3: It's funny. We both of us have kind of a an interest and a background in prophecy and eschatology, partly because of the apologetic nature of it—that it it proves that the Bible is from God because prophecies were fulfilled exactly as foretold. And also because of it, sheds light on our exciting future as believers with the rapture and and uh, God finally uh, all the things you've been talking about on the show today. God will finally come and set everything straight and return, and we'll return with Him. And then there's a millennial kingdom, all kinds of beautiful things. Um, but we also notice that within the church at large, uh, the past past decade or more uh, has been kind of steering away from the teaching of Bible prophecy and the Lord's return. And there's various reasons for that. Some of it because of sensationalism some of it because uh, a lot of seminaries are no longer teaching it mm. uh, various reasons but we, Jeff and I both saw a need to introduce this this topic to a new generation who's never heard it before in a way that they can understand in a way that they can get handles on it and uh, Jeff and I are cut from the same cloth we kept bumping into each other at conferences and stuff and uh, the Lord just honestly put us together for such a time as this where we're, we're uh, we, 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 Cut from the same cloth, kind of brothers from another mother, and we both uh, <laughs> both want to reach the next generation with this amazing message of Bible prophecy and eschatology.
0: So, the podcast we're talking about is run by Todd Hampson and Jeff Kinley, who I have on the line with us. It's called Prophecy Pros. But Jeff, let me ask you this: um, some 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 Christians, um, and I use that term fairly tight, but some believers have you know, talked about, you know, do we really need the Old Testament or, or how important is the Old Testament? Is it still value in the life of a, of a, of a Second Testament or, or a New Testament believer? Talk about, Jeff, the importance of the Old Testament and why it's still as relevant today as it's ever been in the life of the church.
1: Well, I'd say just off the top of my head there, Walker, three reasons. Number one, the, obviously the moral law of the Old Testament still is binding upon humanity. It's binding upon the church. Uh, it was binding upon the Jewish nation at the time. Uh, secondly, I think there's also a lot of fantastic examples that we glean from the Old Testament. You look at men like Moses and Noah, uh, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Job, all of these people uh, we're there, and they're there for our benefit. They're in the Hall of Fame, or the Hall of Faith, rather, in Hebrews 11. So obviously God still wants them to be relevant in our lives. And then the third reason I would say, Walker, is just simply because of all the unfulfilled prophecies about the Second Coming, the Millennial Kingdom, uh, what's going to happen in the Tribulation period with the Antichrist, with Israel. There's is so much of the Old Testament, people will realize, that has not been fulfilled yet, mm. that will be fulfilled in the end times. And so uh, for that reason, too, we're kind of seeing the Old Testament— be fulfilled before our eyes, or at least the emerging prophecies uh, being set up to, to uh, make way for that uh, that final day of the Lord that's coming during the end times.
0: Todd, uh, I want to ask this, and this this is going to get to the root of—there's uh, <laughs> th- this view out there that, you know, if we're in the end times, which I don't know any Christian that has said, we're not in the end times, because that's um <laughs> in—, in uh, in in God's terms, that's a very long period of time. Scripture talks about how men measure years and how God measures years. But mm-hmm. does does the calling of the believer change depending on which phase or how many prophecies have been fulfilled?
3: That's a good question. You know, Jeff and I always say there's really no prophecies that have to be fulfilled before the rapture. And that's an imminent event that could happen at any time. So, in a healthy way, from the first century, there's always been this sense of the Lord could return. Part of the reason Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians was to clear up some confusion about that very thing. Some believers were dying; they were wondering if they're in the tribulation because of the persecution. What happens to the believers who died? Whole nine yards. And essentially, Paul's message in those two letters, which were uh, arguably, arguably the earliest letters in the New Testament. He was. He wrote them to tell them, basically, keep one eye to the sky, the Lord could return at any moment, and keep your feet firmly on the ground as you work and live for the Lord. Mm. And there's a tension in that, but that's a tension that, as believers, we're called to live with. Uh, and, of course, there's been a little bit of a chicken little syndrome. People have, you know, people say, oh, people have been saying the Lord's coming back forever. Mm-hmm. And typically what they usually mean is since the 70s when Hal Lindsey wrote the late great planet Earth. <laughs> but <laughs> so it feels like forever. And surely since the first centuries, there have been believers who who sense that the Lord's return is close. But a couple things that we have that no other generation has had is we have Israel as a nation again. We call that the super sign. Mm-hmm. Um Every end-time key prophecy requires Israel to be a nation again and Jewish people to be in the land. So that is a key prophecy that was fulfilled in, modern, in the modern era that we call the super sign. We, that doesn't mean the rapture is going to happen today or tomorrow. It could, but it just means that we're seeing very clearly the stage being set for yeah. all end-time events to occur.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't know—you know, maybe this is a modern trend, Jeff, but— I, I get this pretty often. I mean, I had a call on the show last week, our caller on the show last week that they the that some believers talk and and here's the basic summary of what they say. They say uh, America is doomed. Look at everything falling apart. I'm just going to pray and hide in my closet and wait on Jesus to come back. Jeff, what do you say to that?
1: Well, unfortunately for that uh, that belief system there uh, Walker it's That option is not left open to us in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are always to be about the work of the Lord. We're always always to be about being salt and light. You can't be salt and light in your own room. You've got to be salt and light out in the world. We can't just lob gospel grenades from the walls of the church out into the world and hope they somehow get Mm saved. Jesus said, no, I'm not going to take you out of the world right now. I want to penetrate you into the world, embed you into society, in every strat of society for, for Christians to have a voice of influence. And I really do believe that what's going on in the world right now and what Bible prophecy says about it is a great way for Christians to have that type of influence, to strike up conversations about the gospel and that type of thing. So it's it's a wonderful time to be alive. I think it's the golden age of Christianity, to be honest. God has really opened an opportunity for us right now that we haven't had for a long time.
0: Amen. Well, uh, Todd Hampson, Jeff Kenley, thank you guys for coming on the show. The name of the podcast is Prophecy Pros. And uh, you can check out their website. Hey, uh, Todd, give your website. You guys uh, give your website to find the podcast real quick.
3: You bet. Yeah, they can just go to prophecyprospodcast.com, dot com, and they can see all the seasons of episodes, back episodes, and they can also have links directly to Jeff's website and my web- website.
0: All right, love it, guys. Todd, Jeff, thank you guys for coming on the show.
3: Our pleasure. Walker, thank, thank you
1: thank so you. much. God bless.
0: All right, appreciate it. That's Todd Hampson and Jeff Kinley, both the host of Prophecy Prose, and they cover <clears throat> prophecy and scripture and how it relates to the Christian's walk, the Christian's life, and we've got to stay tethered to God's Word, we've got to stay tethered to prophecy, and we've got to stay tethered to the Old Testament, and uh, that's one one reason of many that we're going through the book of Psalm. Going through the book of Psalm, studying Psalm, and uh, there's just a lot of, of rich uh, encouragement and rich advice and and uh, teaching from God's Word in the Old Testament. So let's not uh, forget that as the New Testament church. Um, moving into a few other topics, I wanted to cover the uh, this uh, baby formula shortage. Bobby and I were talking about it this morning, but this is this is getting pretty concerning for parents around the country, and it's picking up a little uh, media attention, but probably not as much as it should considering the situation. But I'm just going to give our audience a background to hear of what's going on from a 30,000-foot level. Uh, here's a report from ABC7 Chicago. For months, stores nationwide have been struggling to stock enough baby formula. Manufacturers say they're producing at full capacity and making as much formula as they can. But it's still not enough to meet current demand. The out-of-stock rate for baby formula hovered between 2% and 8% in the first half of 2021, but began rising sharply last July. Between November 2021 and early April 2022, the out-of-stock rate jumped to 31%. Data from Data Assembly showed that's a company that puts all these statistics together, That rate, 31% out-of-stock rate, that rate increased another 9 percentage points in just three weeks in April, and now stands at 40%. The statistics show in six states, Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Missouri, Texas, and Tennessee, more than half of baby formula was completely sold out during the week starting April 24th. And although seven states have between 40 and 50% of baby formula products out of stock as of early April, 26 states are now struggling with supply. And the, the, no one can really, at least I haven't been able to find it, be able to pinpoint what exactly is going on here. Now, there is one, one part of the story that very well could be the contributing factor, but the company Abbott... The FDA recalled three lines, or three, um, yeah, three batches, three different types of baby formula from the company Abbott, very massive corporation. Uh, let's see, these. Okay, so so the FDA. uncovered or got reports of a bacteria that was making babies ill and and thus far there's only been there's been four i don't want to say only because if it was my child it would be very important but there's four um children four babies who suffered from this bacterial infection reportedly supposedly from the baby formula from abbott at least that's why the fda shut it down but they the FDA went after these three different lines of Abbott-made baby formula and, and it put a recall on, on the entire line item, on the entire batch, which was very interesting considering, once again, four cases of this bacteria. Uh, so so maybe that's having something to do with it, but nonetheless, this is something that we should keep an eye on and we, we, we need to you know be on the lookout if we have neighbors or church members or family that need baby formula. Uh, we need to be very intentional about that, but this is pretty pretty big deal for for moms around the country who are having trouble getting baby formula. But but this the, the the mystery behind this, and I don't know what the root cause is. I'm sure with more hopefully more reporting that we'll figure out what exactly is going wrong here. Why is there? It's 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 one thing to have some shortages because of the supply chain, but forty percent drop in inventory, fifty percent, sixty percent drop in inventory around the country. I mean, that's shocking. That's absolutely shocking. So maybe we'll get to the bottom of it. But this is, the reason I bring this up is because this is similar to other issues in the economy that we're experiencing, but there's no true explanation for it. Such as the, the chip or semiconductor shortage which is you go you, you drive by these new car lots and there's no new cars. Well, because the car manufacturers can't get the chips, the semiconductors from China, to put in the cars. Well, we're over two years past the beginning of the pandemic. The economy's been open for over a year now, fully. Why aren't we still experiencing issues today? And why are they so severe to the extent that they are? You can get into the food supply chain and other different parts of the supply chain, but we need answers. We need answers from officials, from leaders, from CEOs as to what is going on with all of these supply chain issues.
2: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.